0: Thank <laughs> you. Hey guys, what's up? Mr. Parco, of course. And um, this video right here, or maybe it's going to be a segment, I'm not necessarily 100% sure, but um, I'm, this is kind of old 85, 1985 horror movies that I've reviewed in the past few years that, you know, wouldn't make it in the dive in 85, or I, I'm going to recover them. But these are the old reviews. So some of these, actually, I hadn't um, covered yet. So, like, uh, there's some heavy hitters like The New Kids, which I've covered twice. So there'll be two reviews of The New Kids in this. Uh, Cut and Run, Fright Night, Reanimated. Fright Night and re will get redone, and Reanimator actually already has been. But you know, uh, you know, new kids will not because I've reviewed it twice and once in the span, you know, recently. So, and also there's some old reviews from old, you know, some lesser-known titles like Attack of the Beast Creatures, which I really enjoy, um, uh, Tear in the Swamp, as well as the Aftermath, which is a super bizarre kind of underseen movie, and uh, Transmutations, A.K.A. Underworld. So there's a handful of reviews for you, a bunch of them, and I. I kind of put them all together for your viewing pleasure. They go from newest to oldest, so you can watch me get younger. Uh, yeah, so that is uh, hopefully cool for you guys. Uh, so roll that dive into 85 footage. Let me ask you a question, kid.
1: Did you see that movie, Night but what you love is the feeling when you are stopping our life. Kill for me. Wow. And he is not a welcome visitor. No. No. What the hell happened to Brokeman? You want a silver bullet, huh? ...in the all-new Godzilla, 1985. Uh-huh. 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 It's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Yeah, hey, it's normal for insects. But am I normal? To Fright Night
2: for real.
0: Yeah, let's start this out. Um, the first one I'll be covering is from Severn Films, and this is the Peanut Butter Solution. This is actually the first in their line of Severn Kids, which is perfect. Like I remember, um, if you guys ever listen to the Pure Cinema podcast, they kind of you know uh, talk about the stuff that's playing at the New Beverly Cinema. And they had a um, a whole idea to do this whole run of movies called Midnight, uh, Kitty Midnights, like midnight movies for kids. And that's what I kind of imagine the Severin, you know, uh, line would be is the Midnight Kitty movies. So, yeah, let me start this one out. The Peanut Butter Solution was made in 1985. It's a Canadian movie. It's in English, and I had never seen this. It had always had an infamous, you know, kind of following to it because Kinder Trauma, you know, basically was one of those super bizarre kids' movies that, you know, uh, mess kids up. Um, I put this in, and uh, yeah, you know, a lot of times you go back and you watch kids' movies as an adult and they don't hold up or they're not interesting or they don't really work one way or the other. And I actually thought this one really worked. It has an interesting. Um, Uh, point how it got made, Um, the writer of the movie basically used to tell his kids um, stories before they went to bed off the cuff, and he made this one up, and the kid kept demanding it, demanding it, so when he got offered to write a movie, he wanted to write The Peanut Butter Solution, which is a story, a fairy tale kind of story he made up himself. Uh, The plot is super strange. We basically have this uh, group of friends, there's two friends, uh, um, the main kid, I can't remember his name, but they go to this place that's kind of like a burnt down building, where this building burned down and some homeless people died in it. And it's just kind of like uh, gutted and really gross. Uh, the one main kid goes inside. He sees something horrifying. He passes out. The next day, all his hair falls out. In a weird kind of fever dream state, he gets a visit after, you know, dealing with the, uh, the no hair and everything, the horrors of it. Um, he has a fever dream where those homeless people that, uh, died in a fire, tell him how to grow his hair back. and involves peanut butter and a bunch of nasty ingredients. He, uh, misfollows the directions and, uh, to his, uh, you know, his whore, uh, his hair will not stop growing. It grows ridiculously long. And that enough is enough for an entire movie. Uh, the movie is filled with quirky and weird, strange characters. The father is an artist type. So he's always painting these weird kind of things. And the whole movie is filled with art. It has a lot of artist kind of elements in here um there's the strange teachers and a bunch of them end up being related um just weird characters all through and through the uh comic relief definitely oh there's a lot of comic relief but the uh main character's friend is really funny and goofy and he puts uh the peanut butter solution on something that he shouldn't you guys yeah it's, it's kind of just a weird gag that's kind of funny And really awkward. But what happens is um, there is somebody going around kidnapping the children. And, of course, our lead character with the long hair disappears. And these crazy paintbrushes are being made. And these paintbrushes, uh, if they're used for a painting, they open up into a magical world. So it has this magical supernatural element. Um, The villain of the movie is really kind of a a unique villain and a good kind of quirky performance. Um, There's a lot of funny moments. It does have a score that feels very much like a kid's film but I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I liked everything about it, to be honest. It's vastly enjoyable for a kid's movie as, a, as an adult watching it for the first time. It's quirky and weird enough to keep your interest and not too crazy or, or scary that you couldn't show your kids. I think this would be a good kind of introduction to get your kids into some weird movies, and I, I think that's kind of cool that Severin's putting this one out because I've always wanted to see it, and I've heard about it for years, but uh, very enjoyable, very weird, and very funny at the same time. Um, on the Features has an interview with, I believe, the producer, and he, uh, had a whole, um, run of these kids movies in Canada, like 26 of them. And they're all supposed to be super bizarre and they all sound interesting. He goes over his whole career, how he went abroad across the world and, you know, kind of, you know, learned a lot of things that helped him making these kids movies or producing these kids movies. Also, I think there's an interview. Oh geez, I'm forgetting. I think it's with, um, yeah, it's with the, uh, interview with, uh, one of the characters in the movie, the the one who plays the friend, that's a short one. That's only like six minutes. And then there's also... Um uh, interview on here about you know Canadian kids films which I thought was kind of fun there's also a commentary the best uh, special feature on here was by far the interview with the producer I thought it was the most interesting and most in depth there was a commentary as well so and oh I can't believe it. there's an extended American theatrical cut on here as well so uh, the movie runs about 90 minutes this one runs three minutes longer so I, it's actually a really interesting kind of quirky kids movie that holds up even for adults as, as weird as that sounds so that's the peanut butter solution Thank you
2: You all, through lies, through hypnosis, through ice creams that put you
1: asleep. Shh, he's listening. His microphones. Stop! But, but what happened to my voice?
2: I know that for kids under eight, it might have been a little tough. It's a really interesting approach to show this kid who's basically dealing with
0: having seen the charred bodies of these homeless couple who is in this house. The
1: hair, they would tie it to my calf. I couldn't keep a straight face because it was just really bugging me. See the peanut butter solution.
2: That's life, sweetheart. You don't get no second chance.
0: The first one is from Severn Films from 1985, directed by Penelope Spiris, who would do a bunch of comedies later on, The Boys Next Door, and was famous for a a very popular documentary about music. what was it? The uh, Decline of the Western Civilization. There's three of those. So uh, Boys Next Door. This is originally, I think this was an Anchor Bay DVD. So I had had my eyes on this title for years, and it just was something I never watched. I knew it kind of had a cult following. It stars Maxwell Caulfield from Grease 2 and Charlie Sheen from everything. Platoon, Men at Work, Young Guns. Do I need to go on? So, okay. And this is early for both these, people, these guys, especially uh, Charlie Sheen. This is a really interesting movie to me. Um, like I said, it's 85. It's a kind of a on-the-road movie, a coming-of-age movie, kind of a spree killer movie. This one opens up in like kind of a gratuitous way, where it, and it's kind of interesting because the director came from a documentary background, so it opens up in this, uh, showing all these faces of serial killers like um, Edmund Kemper and uh, Andre Bianchi and stuff, and you hear all these terrible twisted quotes that uh, they said, they're not spoken by them, but somebody else's repeating the quotes that they say and stuff like that and it's kind of giving you the impression the boy's next door because that's always what they kind of say when somebody's like oh he was just a normal type kind of like a boy next door type or whatever yada 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 very they didn't think they were serial killers so that's where the title kind of plays into although these are more of a spree killer type so i said these two characters Bo, and i can't think of the other characters name off the top of my head are kind of just outcast um now, Charlie Sheen's character is more just, like, ungodly, horny, and chauvinistic. It just wants to get laid. You know, typical kind of 80s character there. And uh, Maxwell uh, Codfield's character is, is, there's something deeper and darker within him. He has, like, a huge misogyny. He just doesn't seem to like women at all. These guys are right out of high school, too. And he has this kind of weird, almost homosexual repression for his friend. So... Um, right in the beginning it, it's kind of interesting like I said these two dress like they're like 50s outcasts they, they seem poor and everyone around them is kind of in this 80s kind of glamour and nobody likes them in high school they're kicked out of the high school party after after graduation and everything like that and that kind of like is the catalyst for them to go on this kill spree this crazy kind of crime spree they go to la um, and it's just a set of unfortunate circumstances like it was a, the straw that broke the camel's back and it just kind of starts escalating and Caulfield loses his mind and people end up killed. Um I love how this movie looks. It's it, it's it's never overlit to where it looks like it, there's a bunch of lights everywhere, but it's never underlit at the same time and it definitely shows you like a grimy kind of LA deal, definitely the combat that New York. So it, it's really a, a beautiful looking movie. The music um is great. It lands perfectly. And when there is violence in the movie, it kind of goes into almost like I don't want to say it's action and uh, exploitative, but it goes into slow motion at times and you feel the impacts. It's kind of disturbing. Um it is disturbing actually. Um, the psychology I really enjoy, especially um, the relationship between the friends, is also interesting. Like I said, there's some sort of like homosexuality coming from one of them at least, and and jealousy. Uh, I think that Cogfe- oh, Maxwell of uh, Caulfield is is it's an amazing performance by him. It's intense. It's crazy. And it's, it's, it's also, um, impressive that he isn't an American actor. He's actually doing an accent. So that also uh, plays into how impressive his performance is. This is a, a kind of a gem in, in my opinion. I, I thought it was very well acted. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was kind of a really dark for the eighties, especially 85. You know, when we have a lot of kind of like fun, um, or goofy kind of movies, this one, it, it hits pretty hard. Um, on the blu-ray it has a commentary with, uh, uh, Caulfield and uh Spiris, uh has an interview with them as well together and she seems to kinda regret this movie a little bit, you know, maybe some of the violence and things like that is and um you know, I I, I, I don't kind of I think it's really kind of um I don't I don't think it glorifies violence. I mean I don't watch this movie and think, isn't violence cool? I think, oh man, that's pretty crazy and stuff like that. But um I do enjoy watching violent movies, so hey whatever it is, you guys know how it is. We all do. Uh so yeah, I don't know. It's kind of strange when directors go back and and they regret things. It makes you second guess it. Um, This was a New World picture too, so that's also kind of interesting. It seems like they've been re-releasing a lot of those lately. Uh, Also on the disc is an interview with one of the smaller actors. Um, He plays a kind of a small character in here. And there's another interview with um, Christopher McDonald and Caulfield sitting together, and they kind of uh, they have a really good rapport because Christopher McDonald's in here. He plays a police officer. He's pretty young too. Um, For people, that's Shooter McGavin. uh, You know, he's in a bunch of movies. The Faculty. You know, Happy Gilmore, Dirty Work. Really, really kind of underrated actor, very good, very solid. So he's in this too. And there's just lots of nice little touches in the movie. There's these weird kind of side characters that are all kind of quirky and have their moments and place in the film and stand out. Um, there's just one cop because one of the people that is murdered is a homosexual and this cop is like, yeah, these figs down here and literally the older detective just loses it and grabs them and starts yelling at him and I was like, I think that's probably a little bit of the director coming in, kind of, you know, uh, putting a little bit of her thoughts in there or, or maybe the writer felt that way, but I, I, you know, I enjoyed this. I thought it was really good. It's one of the best movies I saw for the first time this year. So, um, it looks good. It sounds good. Um, it's just impactful, emotional, good stuff, well acted. And, you know, Charlie Sheen isn't my favorite actor. That's, I'm not going to make a secret about that. I always thought he was just okay, solid. You know, I never thought he was anything above and beyond. And I always thought he was, you know, kind of, um, in the shadow of a lot of the other actors he was in, especially in like Platoon, but he's really good in this one. And uh, I I don't hate him. I think he's good, but he just, um, he he stood out, but uh, still I think the other guy's better. But then again, uh, I'm not as familiar with that actor. So maybe it was kind of like seeing him and be like, wow, this guy's really good. Yeah. I think that I wish I would have saw him a lot more, but um, yeah, I'd recommend checking this out from Severn films. It's out now.
1: Nearly all these murderers are white males, many of them handsome, charismatic, intelligent. This is the story of a couple of all-American kids, Roy Alston and Bo Richards. They're young, they're clean-cut, and like most kids, they want to do something spectacular.
2: So what do you want us to do, huh, Roy? Uh, Become computer programmers, maybe fly the space shuttle? You seem like a regular kind of guy, You know, normal, kind of quiet. He, he just didn't seem like the kind of guy that would kill anyone.
1: But Roy and Bo are different. Sorry. They're trapped.
2: Walk in there, Monday. We're on the drill press the rest of our lives.
1: And they don't fit in.
2: Look who's here.
1: What happens when there's no way out? should have killed him.
2: Almost dead. Almost doesn't count. These people confuse sex and aggression they can't differentiate between the
1: two At 11.30 p.m. in Los Angeles, Roy and Bo met Angie Baker Let me Come
2: back to my apartment
1: She was 29
2: Give her two seconds of day. Girls like that one have given us 18 years of day.
1: Lisa Fisher and Rich Wilder were both 19 This is my game, sucker <laughs> Like if I had a 38 right now, I could make you do just about anything I wanted to It's in the look, it's in the touch it's in the eyes. It's the latest style in madness. Everybody's got a gun these days. They're more popular than sex. What are you doing, you crazy son? Day by day, they're changing the face of America. There's a lot of people out there. And they're barely old enough to vote. It's you and me up here. Watching them. The Boys Next Door, starring Maxwell Caulfield and Charlie Sheen. From acclaimed filmmaker Penelope Spheras, a motion picture and a warning. The Boys Next Door, rated R.
2: I remember shooting this, and I remember it giving me chills. You didn't know what was going on in his mind. Yeah. And it scared you. Remember when we all used to take acting that
1: seriously? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this was scary because it was, like, seemingly uncontrollable. We wrote the song together, Texacala and I. We want your money. Give us your money. It takes you to some very dark places and puts you in some very conflicted positions
2: so now we're at the location of what was called the end zone in the movie in real life it was a gay bar called the revolver
0: Okay, this one's going to be super short. Uh, Dustin Mills, for a Patreon pick this month, picked Garfield's Halloween Adventure. And I mean, really, what can I say about a 30-minute cartoon uh, that is, you know, very child-friendly? I mean, I remember watching Garfield. This is going to be barely a review, to be honest. I remember watching Garfield um, when I was a kid on television and enjoying it. And I don't know if I ever saw this uh, this kind of like 25-minute Halloween short, but it's really great. Uh, Garfield and Odie, they basically go out, And uh, they go trick-or-treating, and they get on this boat, and they end up going to this weird haunted house where this old man kind of tells them this this legend about pirates after their gold, and they kind of have to run away and everything. And it captures the spirit of the Halloween really well. There's some good gags. There's, of course, some Garfield, very funny dialogue here and there and whatnot. Enjoyed that. Uh, And, of course... Garfield comes around to the spirit of Halloween and it has a nice little happy ending. There's a really good gag in here where Garfield is running around and Odie and they're lifting up masks and every, they're getting scared of all the costumes and they lift up one and it's just the same thing underneath. Lots of funny gags like that. The dialogue is hilarious. I mean, Garfield is very charming and it's very clever and it's a perfect thing to show your kids around Halloween. I know this is probably like a minute review, but I, I don't know what else to say about it. The animation at the time, it, it looks you know cheap and older, but I've always kind of enjoyed that kind of animation to be honest it's not necessarily cheap it's just a product of its time and i enjoy it but i mean i was so used to watching looney tunes and i feel like looney tunes animation is so much better but yeah uh just just um you know really welcomed addition to halloween and i never had seen it so it was nice to check that out uh it does have spooky atmosphere and i think it'd be good for kids to approach it and um what kind of world does garfield live in when there's like humans walking over there's like cats and i don't I don't know. It's like that Disney kind of way where it's like there's humans and animal human things and then just animals at the same time. It's like, whatever. But uh, Garfield's Halloween Adventure.
1: It's a night of spooky surprises. Oh, Halloween. For America's favorite fat cat. Don't bat your eyes. Garfield's Halloween Adventure will have you shaking in your boots Monday.
0: Okay, guys, the next one here is from Mill Creek. And I actually covered this one about a year ago, and it is New Kids. I covered the original Spanish Blu-ray um, that I imported that was supposed to be a region-free disc. And here's the new one from Mill Creek. Um, this is a Sean Cunningham movie, so I covered it already. So I don't want to go into, like, mass detail about the movie. I will go into some. But I want to compare the editions a little bit as well, even though there's not that much about the editions that's different, but there is some significant differences. Okay, um, the New Kids. Let me get over the storyline in this one. This is kind of a revenge film this is a, it is a revenge film it's an 80s teen kind of drama uh, pair of kids. One who appears in Full House uh, later on, Lori Laughlin, I think. Um, her, Their father and mother die tragically. It's not a spoiler. It's right in the trailer. Her father, their father is played by Tom Ankins, who is awesome, although he's wasted because he's in the movie for five minutes. They end up moving in with their uncle, played by Eddie Jones, IRP, who just died last month. He pops up in stuff like Chud. For some reason, every time I picture this movie, I always think that role is Barry Corbin or somebody like that, and then like, I re-watch it or I see it, I'm like, oh, oh, no, that's the guy from Chud and a bunch of other stuff. He's very recognizable character actor Just died last year. I meant last month at age 84, so there's that. I'm RIP. But he um, they move in with their uncle and aunt and they have this weird kind of, um, they're trying to get this, you, you get the impression that the uncle is this kind of guy who's always taking these chances, kind of shysty, like doing these deals and trying to, you know, make a business for himself, follow the American dream kind of deal. He has a little speech in here where he says, it was 1960-something, JFK was president, car, and he says all this speech about the car he's driving and stuff. It's, it's pretty nice. You get an insight on who he is and you know um, what, what what he's all about. So he's trying to open this old fairgrounds kind of deal to you know around the town to, and the two nephew and niece move in and they start to help around there. And meanwhile they're going to school and struggling with the loss of their parents. Some uh, local high school bullies start to center them and I will not even call them bullies this is like a gang. This is like the class of 1984 gang. They're ruthless, they're vicious, they're mean they're led by James Spader. A great bad guy great villain just has a very punchable face in this. His kind of like main goon is John Philbin and then uh, John Philbin, Return of the Dead, Tombstone, a uh, bunch of stuff. He's he's kind of he's a pretty good actor. He's in Children of the Corn as well, so he always kind of played a little prick, and he's good at it so and then the other ranks are filed with this you know kind of backwoods kind of rednecks uh, who is it uh, I can't think of the big Gordo is the heavy guy trained this pit bull that they have fight uh, Mooney who's just this uh, little goofy drug addict that James Spader keeps on the tip of his finger with drugs and Joe Bob who just seems like kind of a pushover in the gang as well so he's got his weirdo gang they all have their own personality they start to make bets of who can sleep with uh, you know this uh, new girl in town and whatnot. so that kind of goes in there and of course things start to escalate and before we know it we have a bloodbath on our hands so it's a really good revenge movie there's good baddies you like the kids you root for them there's 80's montages so you got that going on and it is a Sean Cunningham movie the director of Friday the 13th and a couple you know sex, I guess 80's sex comedy deals so it is exploitative at times and you know uh, he never shies away from killing some animals think Friday the 13th the snake and this has a chicken in there so if you guys are a little worried about real animal deaths that will probably bother you but uh, the bad guys all get their comeuppance, and you know, with this 80s kind of like vibes going through it, you would think maybe they're not going to go that far, but they go all the way. Um, I love Eddie Jones in this movie, The Uncle. He's just really fun, larger than life character. Feels like a character right out of Great Outdoors or something like that, which I love that movie as well. So I really dig this one. I think it's a good 80s classic movie. Um, I think it's definitely uh, caught in the 80s. I don't think they would ever make something like this nowadays, unfortunately, but. It has its mean streak in it, but all in all, I mean, dumb people would think, like, that's how mo- real life works. But, you know, of course, the bad guys do some real ruthless things, like I said, and you love what happens. And these guys are like a gang. So, um, really entertaining revenge flick. Um, now, let me compare that. also, Eric Stoles makes an appearance in here for you guys, so that's nice. Uh, first, Marty McFly. So the comparisons here, I noticed when I put in the um, Spanish Blu-ray, I thought it looked a little duller. I thought maybe that maybe that's just a bit right, but I thought that the uh, Mill Creek disc looked better. I thought maybe maybe the Spanish one is, is just an upscale, but I thought it looked a little bit better. I thought the colors were better. I thought the details were sharper. Um, the sound also I think is a little bit better. Unfortunately, they don't, on the Spanish edition, you get uh, Spanish and English audio and a couple more subtitle options, but in the Mill Creek, you get subtitles as well. So if you're an American uh, or in the United States or whatever or North America. I would probably go for sure, or you know, even in the UK, I, I don't think it's region-free, but I would go with the Mill Creek edition. It is just a better-looking edition, and the price is probably a little bit more affordable. Uh, so I would go with that one. It's an improvement, and I'm glad to have this one in uh, Blu-ray in the States because it's not really talked about all that much, and I think it really could you know, f- be on that level with something, of course, like The Class of 1984 or any other gang revenge movie. It's one of the better ones, top five for sure. It's, it's great. Good stuff.
1: They are brother and sister alone.
2: I said Mac and Mom are dead.
0: in a
1: car crash. On their own. Without parents. Without friends. Trying to make it in a new town.
2: Something bothering you, cousin? No. Nothing ever bothers me. Yeah!
1: Facing a dangerous new enemy. Yeah, I can get it. Says who? That's me and 50 bucks. A gang that will stop at nothing to add one new word to their lives. Terror.
2: You think we ought to light ourselves a little fire?
1: You want crazy?
2: Well, I'll show you crazy.
1: the director of the original Friday the 13th, comes a new ticket to terror. Striking back. You want crazy? Well, I'll show you crazy.
0: Okay, guys. The next one is the VHS Voyage. This is Transmutations from Vestron Video, uh, directed by George Pavlo. I actually watched the DVD import called Underworld. Um, But yeah... This is by the same director of the legendary Rawhead Rex and another movie called Little Devils about little creatures. Uh, Funny thing about George Pavlo, I think this was his first transmutations. This, along with Rawhead Rex, was what made Clive Barker say, man, I am not letting anyone else direct my movies. I'm directing Hellraiser. So we can thank George Pavlo for that. But I will say that... um, I don't hate Rawhead Rex. I think it's pretty enjoyable. And I like Little Devils. I think his movies actually got better as he progressed, which is not the same thing to say about a lot of indie directors or smaller directors. But Transmutations, this follows the story of... uh This weird group of uh, drug-addicted kind of mutants that are living underground that need this drug. And there's this woman that is kidnapped by them that has special powers. She doesn't, like, mutate because of the drug and she can bring in dream things. Dalhem Elliott is making the drugs and we have this mob boss who's somehow tied in with him. So he makes this guy that was in love with the girl who used to work for him go down and try to find her and rescue her. But there's some twists and turns. That's the plot of the movie. It's an English film, and I will say this. You know, when a movie's dull, it's bad enough. I like a lot of English films, but when an English film is dull, it is torture. And this movie is dull. It is dull. It is a dull film. I'm sorry to say that transmutations is dull. The lead in the movie is an older guy and he has like red stripes to his hair. And right away I was like, what's going on here? Is this supposed to be like, is he like supposed to have this punk side to him, but it's not like, or he used to have a wild side. I know he's a recovering drug addict. Regardless, it doesn't look right. He doesn't look like the guy would have it. He doesn't play like he'd have it. He's very bland uh, character. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. It's just a very, very poor character. Um, the concept is great. I would love that, you know, I would say that Nightbreed and Ozone um, by J.R. Walter, kind of mix this. This is like a mix of those concepts. These Those are both made after this, but that's like the mix and it should be great, but it's not really great. There's some okay effects on the monsters. I guess I wouldn't say monsters, mutated people. But uh, besides that, there's not much going for it. There's some action at the end. Some of it's not shot particularly well because there's moments where like, the mutants will be shooting back and the, guys are stand- the bad guys are standing out in the street shooting at them and the mutants are like hidden behind stuff and they'll get shot and die. But then the guys on the street aren't getting hit even though they have low ground and they're not hiding behind anything. I know it's a movie, but come on. Just have a hide behind something for Christ's sakes. Um, just stuff like that uh, the acting at certain places is rough. Um, I just don't particularly care for the movie. It's very dull. It's very boring. I like the concept. Um, I'm coming at like a four out of 10 on here. Um, I don't, I, maybe it would look better. I, there is a, the VHS cover is amazing by the way. And there is an extended cut, which was on that DVD. It didn't look particularly good. I didn't know it was there. And it, I already had trouble getting through the hour and 25 minute version. So I was like an hour and 36 minute version. No, no, no transmutations. No more of that. Um, but like I said, there's some moments that I kind of enjoyed and the ending has some cool stuff. Delham Elliott's okay in it. And, uh, he, he's kind of a weird guy in real life. So it, his weirdness kind of translates to the screen. Um, it's just, it, it, the mob aspect is okay as well. It just could have been so much better. Maybe budget constraints held him back. Maybe the characters held him back. Maybe the script held him back. It's just kind of a boring doll movie with a great concept that just falls very flat. And, uh, It's not worth checking out, I don't think, so that's transmutations. Okay guys, the Pick A Movie is a strange one from 1985, The Aftermath. I think Rick Peters picked this one and I had it sitting around which is kind of a surprise. This is a weird, weird, weird movie. It's a post-apocalyptic movie, strange. Not much dialogue is spoken. I believe it's Belgium or Flemish or something like that. yeah, we have this, uh, the main protagonist is a guy, he seems to be working in this uh, nuclear place, and or where he is, but there's dead bodies, maybe it's a morgue I don't know what's going on here, but the very opening of the movie, the protagonist we realize is a necrophiliac, he walks in and starts to fool around with the body, uh, this explosion seems to happen, and I don't know how much time lapsed, or why nobody's infected with uh, sickness, or he was in some sort of, uh, you know, a, a hidden area I don't know why it happens, or what happens, or what exactly is going on in that, but he's thrust into this post-apocalyptic apocalyptic world. And uh, immediately he is, um, within the first 10 minutes of this movie, there is uh, some um, implied necrophilia, there is male rape, and then there is a lesbian uh, pool sex scene, and it looks like someone possibly drowned it in that. So it's just a crazy movie on top of that. But throughout the movie, we our protagonist uh, kind of, uh, he just goes around and he meets these strange people. He becomes a slave on this farm. Him and this woman escape after he murders them. And that's pretty much the love relationship between these two. And uh, Trying to survive in the apocalypse they run across these strange monks who have these weird rituals and uh these horrible horrible people that want to kill them and rape them and all sorts of things so it's a it's a very very bleak movie but the ending would is kind of surprising to be honest it's it's very sexual there's a lot of sex in here there's a lot of uh cannibalism it's like a taboo checker there's so many taboos br- broken in this movie but also at the same time it's done in kind of like an arty way but it's very exploitative it's like an exploitation movie i guess you'd say but it's interesting to watch and uh it's uh unique and it it doesn't really pull its punches but the ending feels so strange and it almost is like is this some sort of thought instead of reality but I would recommend checking it out if you like extreme movies or weird movies or different movies. Uh, there's some really good moments in here and it looks so bleak. It's in full screen. It doesn't look particularly great. For the price on that release, it's like 35th anniversary or 25th anniversary. It's like, yeah, you think you'd try to do something with it. Maybe the elements are lost, but there's not any features on here either. There's not much spoken dialogue, so there's no real subtitles. But uh, it, it's a weird, strange movie. I'm glad I saw it and I, I think that other people would really enjoy seeing this one. And It's definitely different. Definitely unique and, and uh there's some stuff in here that you won't see in other movies i don't think um and uh it's definitely one of those uh post-apocalyptic movies and it feels more like a horror movie in a lot of ways and just crazy crazy weird stuff guys the next one i'm gonna review is it needs no introduction i shouldn't even be reviewing it 1985 directed by tom holland fright night or Fright Night. I'm sure a million people have done that way better. I'm, I've just embarrassed myself quite a bit there. But uh, yeah, this is the Eureka edition that comes with the documentary You're So Cool Brewster and a slew of other features. Uh, I'm going to be brief, more brief on Fright Night, um, but talk more so about, uh, you know, the You're So Cool Brewster. But Fright Night, it's a classic. I've always loved Fright Night. I've always loved Fright Night too. Um, Tom Holland did a great job with this. And, and at, the older I get, the more I realize uh, how good a movie this is and how, how well he makes the comedy in his movie it's not like uh, just so goofy or even campy it's serious in it's tone and the dialogue is great there's not a weak link in this movie if anybody doesn't know the plot of uh, Friday Night it's basically a rear window with a vampire Charlie Brewster uh, lives with his mother and uh, he basically one night next door he notices that Chris Sarandon and his helper are up to something strange girls keep going in and not coming out and there's also some serial murder going on he puts two, two together and then he realizes of course he's a vampire he he sees his fangs and whatnot. That starts basically the problem right there. And uh, what would a kid do? Well, a kid tells the police. He does that and it, it goes to a brilliant scene with uh, Art Evans who pops up as a cop. Also in the movie Mom, where uh, a mom turns into a werewolf. If anybody's ever seen that one, it's pretty fun. But uh, And then the cops don't believe him of course. And that... Um, he goes to his childhood hero, one of his heroes, uh, Peter Vincent, based on Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. He's a he's a late night host on this horror show and uh, introduces his old horror movies. So he goes to him, played by Roddy McDowell, classic actor, and uh, the basically him and his friends have to face off against Chris Sarandon and his helper. It's a great movie. Uh, it, it does like uh, they talked about in the making of and all the interviews and whatnot that this movie adds a human touch to the vampires and there's moments of you know sincerity in here stuff that pushes. The movie far further. Also, the great uh, score uh, by Brad Fidel does an amazing job. moved to Terminator the year before? So it's got really great stuff going for it. The You're So Cool Brewster documentary is two hours and twenty-six minutes long. It has all the major players in here, except uh, the mother. They really couldn't find, but it, it's great. And of course, you know, obviously Roddy McDowell had passed away. They do have some archival stuff in here with them, but uh, they have the special effects artists. There's lots of good behind-the-scenes stories about that, and uh, about one guy getting his ass chewed out for going above the. have some weird thing where they kind of just screwed him over but he got to work on the movie anyways. Steve Johnson's on here. There's lots of good funny anecdotes, and they talk about all sorts of things and questions that you had about Fright Night. Like, what is Billy Cole? What is Billy Cole, really? Is he a ghoul? I always assumed he was some sort of ghoul, weird helper, zombie thing. They talk about that. They talk about... the sequel and whatnot, all, all great anecdotes. And uh, the guy who plays Billy Joel, uh, Billy, Billy Cole, Billy Joel, yep, yep, Piano Man, I'm just kidding, but uh, Billy Cole, he, uh, his interviews are funny. He's a funny guy. I guess he was like an improv comedian, and I love the stories he tells. It really cracks me up. But uh, great performances all around, great score, great special effects. It was one of those heydays where, uh, just to be alive, to think about it, you could have saw Return of the Living Dead the year before, then go see Fright Night, then then go see Day of the Dead in the same year, and then all sorts of such, so many Many cool things. Lost Boys, a couple years later. I mean, it revived the vampire genre. It's just such a good movie, and uh, they even have interviews, like additional extra features on here with like a Q a Q and A at a Fear Fest, and that has um. Some uh, uh, Tommy Lee Wallace from Friday Night* two and Julie Carmen, and then there's some additional interviews with John Grise and Brian Thompson and all sorts of things on there. I, I like seeing that too. They talk a lot about the Friday Night* movies, and then there's even uh, you know archival uh, electronic press kit, the music video by Jake Giles Band, um, the choice cuts with Ryan Turek from Shockwaves. Not to mention that um, who uh, Rob Galuzzo hosts the panel. So there's a lot of familiar faces that I like seeing and that do a great job. There's tons of special features, like I said it looks great too it's a 4K scan uh, it, the sound was amazing in here it was coming through my system and it just was it was a top notch release for a top notch horror film I mean anybody that hasn't seen Fright Night or doesn't like Fright Night come on guys it's just such a good movie and it's fun but not stupid and that's that's such a good way to approach your movies take everything seriously the silly stuff it's going to be silly enough without you purposely making it stupid I know I feel like, you know, I mean, like the stuff like this, like it is, it's not campy necessarily. I'm, it's definitely not campy on purpose. If, even if there is camp, it's, it's genuine camp, but it's, a, it's such a cool movie with amazing special effects. And Chris Sarandon is so good, so good in this. And I, he's just such a cool guy. And you're so cool, Brewster too. He's just a smart intellectual guy. You can tell he's a thinking guy. You can tell he doesn't uh, talk out of his ass like I do, but uh, yeah, yeah. Fright Night. Great stuff. Great release. I'd recommend checking that out. Maybe, maybe Shout Factory, Scream Factory will be releasing it soon. Or, or somebody else. I don't know. But uh, I couldn't wait anymore.
2: Among there people next door. Oh, I guess the new owner's moving in. It's supposed to be very attractive. There are two guys out in
1: the yard and I think they're carrying a cough.
2: Charlie, do you want to make love or not?
1: There was a murder last night. Charlie thinks he saw the victim in this house. I saw him carry her body out in a plastic bag. Another body of a young woman was discovered earlier this morning in back of the
2: Sheridan Mall. <laughs> the guy did
1: have fangs, and a bat did fly over my head, and a second later, he stepped out of the shadows. don't you see what that means? Wait, let me guess. What? I
2: have a vampire living next door to me, and he's going to kill me if I don't protect myself. A hey, vampire? cannot enter your house without being invited first.
1: This is our next door neighbor, Jerry Dandridge. Hello, Charlie.
0: The next one is the VHS Voyage. Let me know how if you guys are liking these VHS voyages. I'm, I've seen comments on there occasionally. People are like, Iced, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm just curious. Get some feedback on it. I don't have the real copy of this. It's a bootleg of Attack of the Beast Creatures from 1985. This is one of these movies that you see clips of and it's just like, what is this? I decided to find out what it exactly was. Um, it's about this group of people. About nine people get stranded. Uh, this uh, big cruise line sh- uh, sinks. You don't see it. You see it in the background. It looks like force perspective. Maybe like a, a painted uh, picture. In the back, I forget what they call that off the top of my head. But uh, what happens is they get stranded on this weird island. One, a couple people are injured. You got the rich jerk, and you got a lot of character development, which is surprising in this movie. So they start to develop these characters. The acting is much better from most, from the mo- for the most part. There's some bad. And the rich guy's a little a little bad, but for the most part, the acting's better than expected. And I liked all the characters. I didn't hate anyone. Even the dickhead, I liked. So we have this. They're on the island. And uh, they're hurt. They don't know what to do. They're in a lot of trouble. And right in the beginning of the movie... There's something that happens that blew my mind. I'm not going to spoil it. But one of the characters runs over and does something that when he sees something that they're looking for that anybody probably would have did. And what happens to him is crazy. And it's awesome. And uh, it's not just... If you guys know anything about this movie, it's not just the beast creatures that you have to worry about on this island. There's all sorts of things. But uh, the beast creatures on the island actually end up being these little kind of Zuni dolls, Mm -hmm. uh, similar to the Trilogy of Terror. And uh, they're carnivorous. And they start a carnivorous. That word's a tongue twister for me right now. But they basically start attacking them. Any chance they get, taking little bites out of them. The music comes in. It's really weird. It happens all the time. And these poor people are stranded in this, what seems to be a tropical island, even though it shouldn't be. And they're confused. And it's them fighting off these little creatures the whole movie and bonding together. And then they'll have a moment of, uh, you know, to talk to each other and uh, some more character development. Then somebody will get killed. Some more character development. And then the shit hits the fan at the very end and you see what these things are doing kind of in a way you don't understand why they're there. It's really weird. It's really crazy. Uh, I enjoyed myself the entire time. It is vast amounts of ridiculous fun. I love little creature movies. I love that they don't really explain what these things are. That they're not even uh, organic material. They may be wood, but why are they alive? What's going on? I don't know. Nobody knows. But this island is evil, and there's all sorts of crazy crap happening on the island. And uh, it, it's pretty gory. I mean, it's mostly just like blood slopped on people, but I like it. Attack of the Beast Creatures. You'll have a riot with it. I mean, it is fun, and it's at times you. Think it's over, but then the creatures run back and start attacking some more. And the music kicks in. They're jumping from trees. They're, it's fun. It's really, really goofy stuff. But I like this kind of stuff, man. I'd love to see this on Blu-ray. Where are the elements? Are there elements? Come on, Attack of the Beast creatures. We need. We deserve this. <laughs> told you guys I was going to be doing this new segment. Uh, where, uh, well, I had you guys vote on it. And the one that won was me doing a movie that's not on DVD or Blu-ray stateside. Um, so uh, I decided to go over and grab one off my shelf. And uh, one I'd never seen called Terror in the Swamp. Yeah, by Billie Holiday. I also had a bootleg. I watched the bootleg. Uh, it's cropped to so it fit my uh, big TV. But Terror in the Swamp. I put this in. Didn't know much about it. Made 1985. I was like, you know, it's, I thought it was a Bigfoot movie by the case. I was like, okay, we're going to see a, a grassman or a Bigfoot in uh, the swamp. Because I like to go in as blind as possible. Um, and as it progressed, I was like, okay, this this might be fun. Some Hicksploitation uh, meets some, some uh, you know, Bigfoot movie. And as I'm watching, it opens up, okay, you know, there's a an attack on this uh, hunter, whatnot. So there's a lot of point of view and a lot of growling, which... It's kind of silly, but it's in a swamp, and it's on location, and uh, i got to give it up to the guys for making the movie in the swamp. A lot of the filmmakers in the credits, I noticed, are actually starring in the movie, too, so I was like, okay, we're going to do this. Uh, the movie basically follows... Um, it's not a Bigfoot movie, which blew my mind. I didn't know it was not a Bigfoot movie, to be honest. So I'm watching it, and uh, there's like, oh... You find out there's these scientists out there doing these uh, experiments and somebody made a mistake and something escaped. They were doing experiments on nutrias, I believe, what they're called, which is another word for a giant sewer rat of some sort. And I didn't know what a nutria was. I had to look it up or they have another voice, uh, co- uh, another name like Coyo. I don't know. But I was like, what? What are they saying? I looked it up and I was like, Oh, it's those things, those giant water rats, or sewer rats, or what they are. So this movie's about a man-sized sewer rat, or like a nutri man thing. So I was like, okay, I'm in even more now. Um, Of course, there's a game warden trying to catch this thing. There's a couple hillbillies out there, these two big brothers and their buddy, trying to catch him and get revenge on it for something it's done. Uh, So we have a lot of people walking in the swamp. Uh, Of course, the... uh, what happens is somebody hangs a sign and says a reward. So all these good old boys with their guns and boats go out there trying to get the reward uh, for this creature. And, uh, you know, people start piling up, getting killed. It's not particularly gory. Um, they don't show the monster very much. They don't film the monster particularly well. They don't show it enough and they don't show it right when they do. Um, I love the location. I like the brothers. They're both silly. They have kind of a fun thing going on between them. Uh, It's really talky. There's moments where they go back to the same location. They do kind of capture this small town-like location where the game ward knows everybody's name, and I kind of like that. Um, At points, it seems pretty big, like they actually have, like, planes flying over and stuff like that, and a big cast. Um, But the ending seems to fall apart, and it doesn't really deliver particularly well. Um... There's a couple great moments like the image of the creature, like on the cover outside of like a window is actually scary. Uh, this is like I said, people died, but this could probably be PG PG 13. I don't really see a reason to rate it. Uh, there's no particularly anything sleazy or nudity in here. Like people pop up dead might be some language of sorts, but, uh, the highlight really is the two, uh, uh, Cajun boys out in uh, the trappers, um, and the brothers and their interactions. Uh, one's really heavy. And there's a scene where they're walking for like five minutes. And the guy's just struggling through the swamp. So I got to give him credit for actually making it in a swamp. I love swamp movies like Gator Bait and stuff like that. And even Junior, uh, a cut above the 1985 one. Made the same year as this, uh, I believe. Uh, so I like that kind of stuff. But it just, it fell real short, man. It had so much potential. I think that this is a great movie for a remake. Tear in a swamp about a rat man. No CGI rat man with these razor sharp claws going around and everybody's trying to stop him and catch him but they keep you know getting in each other's way and whatnot uh more monster less talking uh better special effects or gore effects would have pushed this one a little bit further but uh i i'm I'm a little sad that my first vhs venture for this uh this year year thing is uh is kind of a kind of a dud that's tearing the swamp uh you know what if vinegar syndrome picked this up and cleaned it up like it's a new world picture, so maybe, maybe Screen Factory's going to release this. I know they picked up the Corman stuff, but if they pick this up and cleaned it up, uh, you know what? It, it might be a little bit better because uh, at times the picture's dark and uh, it would be really nice to see the locations in HD, you know, but uh, tearing the Swamp, it's up to you guys, man. I don't know. Them traps in the wildlife refuge. Yeah, Paul, by tomorrow
1: them traps going to be full. T-box. Go over to Harlow's and see if you can get some more traps and we'll set them in the morning. All right. Let's celebrate. All right, I'll get a jug of shine. Bubba, can you spend the night?
2: Hell yeah! All right. (laughs) Say, Bubba, what? You know how many cages it takes to eat possum? How many? Two. Two. Yeah.
1: One to eat and one to watch the road for cars. What? What, You know what, Jesse? What's that, Paul? We got that damn bug drug, too. <laughs> <laughs> boy, it's
2: time to borrow. We're going to be a rich bunch. Hell <laughs> yeah. We on you our way.
1: Jesse, get that flashlight behind. Damn it, boy, didn't I tell you to fix that generator? Oh, I did, Paul. Must have run out of gas. Uh-
2: Jesse! 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 What's wrong? What's wrong? We're going away to get you in What's going on? Jesse! It was, was Pa's Lake! Jesse! I, I know it was Pa! Jesse! What happened? I I know it was fantastic. He's dead. I I saw his leg. Where, T-Bob? Where? On on the trail. Oh, no. We were drunk last night, me and Bubba.
1: Bob and Joe went out to fix the generator. We heard that scream like we did that day in the marsh. That's right, T-Bob. We run outside and took a couple of shots at it, but it dragged your paw off in the marsh. We were too drunk to track it at night. That's right, T-Bob. We lit out at daybreak. We done picked up some tracks, had it that away. Kill a pa, Jesse. What are we going to do? How are we going to get along, Jesse? Don't right, worry, T-Bob. I'll take care of you. I promise you this. I don't know what that thing was, but I'm going to catch it.
2: I'll kill it. I'll skin it alive. What we're gonna do without Paw, Jesse? He taught us everything we know.
1: Don't you fret, none, t bot Come on with us. Jesse's right. We're gonna get whatever it was that killed your paw. Come on. Across the swamp, going on poacher's Cove. We'll pick up some of that stuff we got down there, and we're gonna find whatever it was that got Paul, and we're gonna fix his wagon for sure, I
2: guarantee. You. Come on.
0: The next one here, pretty excited about this one. Uh, this is uh, from Code Red. This is on the Flick site. This is "Cut and Run" by Ruggiero Diodato. He's one of my favorites. If you guys don't know Ruggiero, uh, he directed uh, House on the Edge of the Park, Cannibal Holocaust, and Jungle Holocaust, among others, uh, Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man, and Cut and Run. This is the third of his jungle adventure movies. I'm going to settle something right here. They talk about this. I've heard about this all the time. Umberto Lenzi did do the first cannibal movie, or the movie with a cannibal scene in it called Man from Deep River, one of the jungle movies. He went on to do stuff like uh, Eating Alive and Cannibal Ferox. Uh, Ruggiero Diodato did Jungle Holocaust, uh, which was probably, he got the money for it because of Man from Deep River, but he would go on to do uh, Cannibal Holocaust, which was the Mac Daddy cannibal film of all, which Cannibal Ferox ripped off. And then he would later do this. So it's like, although Umberto Lenzi may be the father of the cannibal uh, Italian cannibal genre, Ruggiero Diodato is still the king. Uh, I'm just going to settle that right there. But uh, we have a cut and run here. This has uh, Michael Berryman and Richard Lynch in there and a bunch of other familiar faces. Yeah, this is made in 1985. It was uh, distributed by New World Pictures, so you guys can kind of expect something. They actually distributed a bunch of stuff, you know, like Corman's Company. I don't know if Corman was still running it when this was distributed, but, you know, like Demons, which is really cool. But uh, this story is kind of bonkers. We have this this, uh, reporter and her cameraman go into the jungle to try to locate this uh, guy who disappeared while also, you know, Looking into this uh, uh, Jonestown uh, escaped guy and uh, figure out what he's up to. They run into these savage, brutal, uh, you know, natives that ca- cut him up and hack him up. These natives are basically killing anybody dealing drugs in in the city and over in this, the jungle area. Anybody that's dealing drugs gets killed, and uh, they do it in a horribly brutal fashion. I will remind you guys that this one, uh, the ext- uh, the uncut stuff, the real gory stuff, comes from a different source. It doesn't look as good, but besides that, everything looks top notch. They are inserts, they can't be distracting. Um, what's cool about this is at one point John Striner is in this movie. You guys know John Striner from Caligula, what else, Tenenbrah. Uh, Tenenbra, So he's a familiar face. Um, yeah, he's in this movie and he plays a sadistic son of a bitch and his demise is one of the most gnarly things I've ever seen. Uh, Richard Lynch has got a great kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say what's the uh, Marlon Brando from Apocalypse Now kind of character going on here. Barryman's a cool enforcer jumping in and out of water doing all these crazy stunts. It's vastly entertaining. The, the soundtrack is uh, well, the main theme is by uh, Claudio Simonetti uh, from Goblin. So that's very memorable. Anybody that's ever heard the song will get it stuck in their freaking head. It's a fairly fast-paced action movie. Uh one of the leads, Mark Tommaso, the guy who plays Mark Tomaso from Cannibal Hall is in the movie. It's got a lot going for it. It's just made way past its time. Uh, it's super sleazy. There's a lot of nudity, especially in the uncut stuff. And uh it's a completely different movie when you like take out the inserts. It's like just a kind of a semi-fast-paced adventure action movie. And you add those gory nasty inserts in here. It's just brutal it's surprisingly brutal, to be honest. Uh, there's some. Uh, Wes Craven was originally supposed to direct this movie. Uh, I love it. I think it's vastly entertaining. Uh, I think it's got some really cool stuff on there. Um, I like the Jungle Adventure movies, Cannibal or Not. Uh, the, the disc actually has a fair amount of features on there, which is really fun. Ruggiero Diodato interview, uh, and uh, two really long interviews, one with Leonard Mann and one with uh, the guy who plays the lead, and uh, he had some they they sound like this movie was a crazy set. Regiro Diodato is a uh, it's much more um uh, you know, kind to them than they are to him. They talk about the uh, the way it was shot it was really hard and uh, they talk about Rashiro you know, they, the one guy even says that he might have beat his girlfriend, so it's like he's definitely slinging some mud and uh, this this shoot sounds super intense and super dangerous and super crazy, but uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Willie Ames has some great stories on there. Loved his stories. He even talks about John Wayne and Tony Curtis and all these people back from old Hollywood and how he met them and, uh, you know it's a vastly entertaining interview all the interviews on here are great uh it's a really fun movie if you haven't seen it uh i'm really happy it got released now uh they're they're supposed to do jungle holocaust too which i'm very excited for uh you know i love seeing these italian movies come out with these movies directed by italians because they're, they're some of my favorites and we still got a bunch more to go cannibal holocaust i'm at cannibal apocalypse we need cannibal apocalypse
1: Civilization has introduced countless evils to this mysterious jungle, but not terror. Because here, terror was born. And here, terror will live. As long as outsiders dare to enter the savage wilderness. Two reporters stumble into a troubled paradise wind up running for their lives.
2: We can't just sit here, Mark. We'd be asking for
1: it. Because beneath the sheer beauty lies a world of utter madness. Ah! Today's headlines erupt ah! in a timeless thriller. Oh! Your journey ends here. Forever. Cut and Run. It's the one story you won't see on the 6 o'clock news.
0: The next one here is The New Kids. This is a Spanish import I showed. Uh, I'm not by Sean Cunningham. Uh, this is, I'm not sure of the quality. I'm not sure if it's better than the DVD. I never got a chance to watch a DVD, which I do have. Uh, but yeah, The New Kids. Uh, this is kind of your 80s gang movie uh, that, Surprisingly, is very mean-spirited, but also has that 80s kind of cheesy charm to it, which uh, these kind of movies are very rare nowadays. You'll never see something this mean-spirited with that 80s kind of charm uh, that doesn't feel like it's totally messed up. Uh, but The New Kids follows the story of uh, these, these two brother and sister, like the perfect kids. They come from this military family with great parents and uh, something tragic happens to their parents. They have to move in with their uncle and uh, live in this kind of uh, amusement park and help them fix it up. Uh, the bullies are the local, you know, criminals, uh, high school criminals, uh, have an eye for the girl and they make this kind of rage carry two bet where well, I could sleep with her first. Uh, John Philbin and uh, the leader, James Spader, make the bet. John Philbin is in Return of the Dead and uh, Tombstone is if you guys aren't familiar, and James Spader is in Wolf and Stargate and a bunch of other stuff, but yeah, so they uh, kind of make this bet and they peg uh, they start they start stalking them. Fights happen and uh, it, it just escalates to ridiculous levels. And uh, this is one of those movies where I wanted to strangle. I absolutely wanted to strangle the bad guys. They're great. I love a, a good gang of bad guys. Everybody knows that. Class of Newcomb High, Robocop, Class of 1984. Love my bad guys. Love my gang of goons. And this is one of the better gangs of goons around. They're ruthless, and uh, I love what happens to them by the end. But this all boils over into this giant, action-packed climax in this half-built uh, amusement park at the end. Uh, there's there's good m- amounts of drama in here. It feels like that 80s inspirational movie at times, but then there's moments of really sadistic brutality which kind of comes out of nowhere, I know totally a lot of people won't like this, but I I think it works, especially in the 80s. Uh, I I love the hell out of it. I think the acting's top notch, uh, and there's also this really these weird moments with the pit bull because they're training this pit bull, the gang, and it's just scary to be honest. Uh, not necessarily a horror movie, but kind of like a revenge movie, which is probably my second favorite after horror. And it, you know, I'm i I love the exploitation and revenge and stuff like that, but. I would really check this one out if you guys haven't seen it. The Spanish import's not very expensive. The DVD's probably even cheaper, but it's the New Kids, uh, I believe, from 1985. Uh, I like it better than Friday the 13th. No, I hate Friday the 13th, but, you know, Sean Cunningham has a, a decent amount of movies on his uh, on, on his uh, resume that people don't talk about. They always talk about Friday the 13th, and, but I love the New Kids. Uh, this is the first time I ever saw it. It's been on my radar for, like, 20 years, but... Loved it. I think I have five or six titles to review. Let's hop into this. The first one is a jumbo release from Arrow Films. This is the reanimator box set. Uh, it was freaking awesome to see Arrow Films tackle this one. I think everybody loves Reanimator for the most part. You know, it's a cult classic. It's one of the best dark horror comedy movies ever made. Uh, and this bad boy is loaded. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the story of uh, Reanimator, it's uh, based off an H.P. Lovecraft story. Uh, it was kind of published in six parts, uh, and it's a little different from the movie. It's less uh, goofy, uh, probably his most straightforward and gory and nasty story, uh, but still not much like the Reanimator. Uh, it it is but it isn't Uh the stuart gordon movie is definitely more highly sexualized version and uh more splatter and comedic but uh what happens here is uh this character uh uh herbert west moves into this miskatonic uh institute and uh he has these weird experiments where he has a serum that uh continues brain activity uh after they have passed. Uh, It's not necessarily a a good thing, and it doesn't really particularly work very well. Uh, The subjects are jerky and crazy and insane. Uh, He kind of enlists the help of a promising student who's dating the dean's daughter, uh, Dan Kane, and the two embark on this crazy journey. Uh, of course, the Dean himself, Alan Halsey, gets involved. And a weird, menacing Dr. Carl Hill. And, of course, uh, Megan, who is Dan's girlfriend. Uh, it ends in tragedy. Uh, it's gory. It's ridiculous. Uh, it has some really great sight gags. It's low budget, but you really can't tell the budget because the way it's edited, they do a great job on it. Uh, they they did the best they could with the effects, and it, it just... Uh, it pushes all the boundaries and all the limits. was released on Rated. It's just a freaking masterpiece. What can I say about it? It launched the careers of Stuart Gordon and Jeffrey Combs, who uh, became iconic. Uh, Barbara Crampton's also in it, and Robert Sampson, and uh, David Gale, R.I.P., who would go on to be in Guyver, and uh, was previously in the movie Savage Weekend. So It's got an all-star cast. Richard Band does a score, kind of a psycho-light thing. It's really fun, like a playful uh, Bernard Herman score. Uh, there's not much I can really say, anything else that anybody has not said about Reanimator, but it's just a gory, splattery movie that pushes boundaries with a really good cast, a really good script, a well-acted, like I said, well-written. And uh, I-, I will say some personal thoughts about the movie. Uh, you know, Jeffrey Combs is great in it. Uh, you can't even mention the movie without mentioning Herbert West. But what I will say is... Uh, I think that the underdog of the story, Barbara Crampton and uh, David Gale are both amazing. I love David Gale in this movie. His performance is just one of those uh, iconic, creepy bad guys. And the severed head, I don't want to give too much away, just in case you haven't seen it. But go see it, for the love of God. But uh, Robert Sampson, he plays uh, Dean Halsey. He is uh, just one of these really good kind of character actors that uh, gets to play this really juicy role. He starts as this, you know, kind of like loving father figure, but stern. And uh, what happens to him... After one of the uh, experiments gone wrong, uh, he turns into this kind of monster, this uh, Frankenstein monster-like character where he's controlled. But uh, towards the end of the movie, he has this great arc, and you can see him emote all these things in his face, which is beautiful. I actually wrote a review for this one at the Screaming Toilet page uh, in the link below. If you want to click on it, read it. Uh, for As far as the features, I'm going to read right off the back and kind of talk about them a bit because it's so much on here that I don't remember everything. But I watched everything, and it took four days. So if you're a reanimator fan and you got four days, then I would highly recommend checking out all the features. Uh, it has the inter integral cut in here, which is 23 extra minutes, which is great to see. It, it, it kind of cuts the brisk pace of the original reanimator. Cause it, it's super, uh, the, the Reanimator is like 86 minutes. So it's awesome to watch it. And it's just gory and fun and straightforward. Uh, with laughs and cringing stuff, and good drama. But the 23 minutes really add some good character moments, some transitionary scenes and stuff like that, and some cool subplots with Dr. Hill digging deeper into how he can kind of hypnotize people, which is really cool. These scenes are also included separate. Also, are three commentaries on here, which is crazy. The newest one being which the cat with the cast and crew from the musical, which is kind of cool to see their take on it. They sing a little bit in there. I myself have not seen the musical, but it was nice to see them talk about it. Uh, there's a making of, which I believe is an older one with uh, interviews with all the big players who are still alive. They're they're fun. Uh, they they have good memories of the film. Uh, there's also interviews with uh, Richard Bann, which I never saw, and even uh, Tony uh, from uh, *Fangoria*, Tony Timpone. I believe it is, and uh, tons of other stuff like I'm saying here. They talk about uh, a couple of interviews with Richard Bannon here. Uh, it, and, uh, what else is on here? Trailers, of course, extended scene, uh, just really cool stuff. Uh, it, it's actually amazing. You can even see script comparisons on here and included is a comic book. Another cool thing is the limited editions two discs. The second, disc has an integral cut on there. So if you want that by now, and it also includes this, uh, featurette, uh, the films of H.P. Lovecraft, which is nice to see because they, uh, kind of a refresher course. Most of the movies you've heard of, they start early and, uh, it's nice to see how, uh, Stuart Gordon pretty much changed the level. Lovecraft genre for film uh, but it's, it's really cool to see. There's even a couple uh, nice ones in there that I, I forgot about or I didn't think were really Lovecraft movies and I was like, oh, Dark Heritage I've heard of it, have it, never watched it uh, so yeah, if you like the reanimator I would highly recommend picking up this set it looks great, it's loaded with features has a freaking comic book, has three commentaries has a making of, has an inter- two cuts all remastered in 4K it sounds good and uh, it's nice to see this movie finally get the respect it deserves on Blu-ray. <laughs>
2: Fortunately, the police accepted the explanation that Halsey went mad. Well, what else could they believe? The, the truth? That he died and came back? We did it, Dan. <coughs> <coughs> <coughs>
0: around a dead person is not what you would imagine. It's very strange. You get no vibe, you get no rhythm, you get no... You get nothing.
2: I remember thinking that here's uh, a guy who might be following in the uh, footsteps
1: of Vincent Price. All this left is on the screen is a green vial, the reanimation fluid, and you hear a loud scream and boom that's where the end title takes off.
2: My first play was Run, Robber, Run. We,
1: we also did a lot of shows where the costumes were leotards and, and uh, one of the members of another company kept referring to us as the Granola Theater Company.
2: It was the most
1: wonderful theatrical experience I'd ever been a part of. It was, it was great. He had slowly tried to perfect a solution which, injected into the veins of the newly deceased, would restore life. It's really faithful to the original story. The only real difference is that the protagonist is, is a man.
2: I've broken the six to 12 minute barrier, I've conquered brain death. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow.
1: It will scare you to pieces. I will reveal
2: to an astonished world my. I have a plan. So do I.